Well, good morning. It's so great to be here. You guys have made a great mistake. You, I feel right at home. This could be really dangerous right now. I really love being here. This is great. I want my wife to say a few words. Uh, you'll long for her to stay up and keep on going, but I'm sorry. It's not going to work that way. I'm gonna, you got to deal with me, too. So here she is right here. Thank you. This is, this, what a great group. Um, thank you so much for having us. This is wonderful to be with all of you. Uh, Marty asked me just to tell you a little bit about our family since we've just caught, come off of the Youth and Family Conference. Um, the scripture that I think about is uh, your children's children are a crown to the aged. And uh, I guess I, we are getting in that direction. And we do have children's children. So I just want to tell you a little bit about where all of our children are. Uh, we have our oldest daughter, Elizabeth. Uh, she is uh, in Athens with us, married to Kevin Thompson. They lead the University of Georgia campus ministry. Uh, they have three children, Cassidy Joy, five, Blake, four, and Avery Grace, two. <laughs> so um, she has her hands full. Elizabeth, has, uh, she is her father. She uh, loves words. She loves, uh, she just feels everything. And she has become quite the writer, the other writer in our family. She's, uh, we got to write The Tender Years together. She's recently published her first novel and uh, has another one ready to go. And she's writing for young adults. It's just been a dream of her life and uh, something that we're very proud of her in the way that she's doing that. I think it actually keeps her sane while well, she's got these three little children. Um, our son David is uh, married, and he leads the campus ministry in uh, University of South Carolina. He's married to former Lisa Patterson. They have two children, Sammy the fourth, and uh, that's right, that's right, and uh, Arwen Elizabeth, who is a year and a half. And then our son Jonathan, he has been uh, working in Pittsburgh, married Talia Staten, uh, about a year and a half ago, they just this weekend moved back to Columbia, South Carolina. He's truly a Southern boy. And uh, he is so happy he can't stop smiling and singing. And they are expecting their first child uh, the end of May. Our daughter, Alexandra, our youngest, just graduated from college in December. She is friends with Maria Fuquay. They are just kind of out of the same mold. They love each other. And uh, they are now not too far away from each other. I think Maria is still in Philadelphia. Am I right? That's right. And Alexandra is now in New York uh, working in the campus ministry in Manhattan. So she's figuring out the subway systems, the bus system, everything. And she's pretty amazing to us. Uh, she is, uh, Maria is dating one of Jonathan's very, very good friends, Ross Woods. So uh, there are so many connections in the kingdom. And you know, we've heard the thing of six degrees. Uh, everyone is six degrees of relationship to somebody else. In the kingdom, there's only about two degrees, if that, from one to another. And I really, I hope, I hope all of you, some of you are new Christians, and you're probably just beginning to get a glimmer of this. Those of you that have been around for a long time, I hope you never, ever uh, lose your sense of wonder and appreciation at the connection that we have because of being God's children. We are in southeast United States. You are the farthest over on the west coast. 
And yet there are so many connections that we have through our children, through our grandchildren, through each other, our college friends. Um, it's, it, we know Chris and Marty mostly because Reese and Mary Kay were converted in our campus ministry. It's just, it's a miracle the way that God brings us together. And when I look around at a group like this, I'm just, I'm just in wonder and I'm very, very appreciative that I get to be a part of this and a part of this with you. So thank you. I could just sit and listen to her all day. I'll go to the mall with her and just be there. Listen to her talk. You know, when we go to the mall, um, Jerry becomes very energized because all of my energy goes out of me. And I go and lay on the benches with the other men. uh, And she goes, yeah! And I'm like, oh, man. We go to Home Depot, the other thing happens. I'm like, yeah, I need a chainsaw, you know, or something. So... This is, I'm, I'm already having a great time here, uh, which can really be dangerous, uh, but I really feel at home. I feel like I'm back in Miami, Florida. That's what I feel like. Uh, uh, you know, we had a church there with, uh, we had gringos, we had Latins, we had, we had African Americans, we had Asians, we had Caribbean people. It, it just made God smile whenever we showed up in the same room. It was great. I feel great here. This is wonderful. I mean, your whole singing group, I'm like, man... Awesome. This is the United Nations. This is great. Except we're really united. We're not just like, eh. we're like yeah, this is great. Wow. This is wonderful. I mean, let me say something. The more noise you make, the more yelling, laughing, crying you do, the better I'll do up here. If I'm not doing that well, just act like I am and I'll start doing better. So this is great. Let me tell you um, a little bit about Marty. Marty Fuqua doesn't know this probably. They're coming to arrest me. That's the siren. They finally found out. I, I thought I'd gotten away. No, they, um, Marty, Marty doesn't know this. He's one of my very, very favorite preachers. I like Marty because you know exactly what's on his mind. It's like, I wonder what Marty's thinking about that. Right? He just told me. I think Marty would make a great baseball relief pitcher in the, Latin, the ninth inning. What does the ninth inning reliever come in? He says, all right, dude. I'm going to throw this ball 103 miles an hour down the middle of the plate. See if you can hit it. Now, that's what I'm here to do. I'm going to throw fastballs. You know what I'm going to do? It's going to be straight up. No messing around. I appreciate Marty. He's just a man of God. He, he loves his wife. He loves the Lord. He loves his church. And you guys are privileged to have him here. He is something else, let me tell you. And Chris. Um, Reese Nealon. <laughs> Now, Reese may have done talking about me. I don't know what he has really said. Um, but Reese, Reese is something else. How did a guy from Tennessee show up in, in, in Los Angeles, California? First time I met Reese, he came to church down in Gainesville, Florida. And here's this big old six-foot-four guy. And he comes walking in the room like this. You know. Does he still do that? Kind of that. No, no, no. I said, who is that guy? He thinks He thinks he owns the place. Reese was from the traditional church, and he showed up in our congregation, and he thought, he looked us up in the yellow pages and thought it was going to be another boring worship service. And you could see him, he got whiter and more pale. So what is going on here? And we, are, we were talking about having prayer partners, and everybody's going to have a prayer partner. He wrote a card, and he says, in his beautiful handwriting, perfect engineer handwriting, I do not understand what prayer partners are. 
explain this program to me. But let me tell you about his first date with Mary Kay. Can I tell you about that? <laughs> when, when Mary Kay was baptized, 27 brothers were sitting there to give her a towel when she dried off. Can I take you out, sister? You need help from Jesus. I need to help you out. I called her the golden girl. I mean, she was just stunning. She's beautiful. Reese was one of those guys. Well, he got a date with her and brought her to our house for dinner. He didn't say much all night. He just sat there. And she was just looking, and he was just kind of like, I'm, I'm thinking, Reese, you're like me, the amazing grace of God. She wouldn't even be in the same room with you, dude. You know, come on. Well, he, they, we had a nice evening. He took her home, and Jerry and I were getting ready for bed. It was very late. We were getting ready for bed, and I heard knocking on my door. I said, what is it? Somebody's here to kill us. I didn't know what was going on. And I, I looked in the, in the, through the, the, the front door glass, and there was Reese's face. He was like this. He was <laughs> and I said, Reese, what is it? He said, I'm going to marry her. This is the one. This is the one. That was his first date. Now, you know, Reese has made a lot of, that was a good decision that guy made right there. Don't you think, you know, that, that was Reese's first date. I, I, I could tell you more about Reese, but I love him so much. And uh, I'm so glad to be with the family that, that loves him and, and is with him. I wish he was here today. But uh, thank you for loving him and taking care of Mary Kay and his family. And uh, I miss him very much. But I'm also glad he's got a great friend like Marty to look out for him. I'm already emotional. I'm going to cry. I'm going to laugh. You can do the same. We'll have a great time, okay? You know, um, I want you to think about a verse. And uh, let, me, let me just read it to you. you. You may have heard it. If those of you who are new in the faith may not know it well. Others of us have been around for a while know this verse. But it goes this way. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Let's just stay with that for a minute. To him who is able to do more than all we ask or imagine. To, according to his power that is worked within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And the church said, Amen. More than we imagine. God is able to do in your life more than you can imagine. When Walt Disney was a little child, he drew flowers with faces in them in his, in his first grade class. And his teacher said, Walt, flowers don't have faces in them. He said, mine do. And that's where Disney World came from. I'm talking about imagination and being a dreamer today. God made us to imagine. He made you to dream. As a matter of fact, before you ever came down here, God imagined you in your mother's womb and put you together just the way you are. He said, oh no, he could have done a better job. No, he did just fine. He's j I always wanted to be like 6'4", like Reese, but I figured i got to be 5'8". I'll just get wider rather than taller. I'll do something. I'll work out. I'll do P90X. Come on, bring it. You know. You gotta be who you be the best version of you who you can. But God had a vision for your life, and He shaped you in your mother's womb, and He knows the best version of you you can be, and He had a great plan for your life. God has a great dream for you, and He wants you to dream that dream. I say to you, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock, the door will be open. 
Everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks, the door will be open. We need to have great dreams in life. And God wants you to have great dreams. And He wants to do great things in your life. Everything is possible to him who believes, Jesus said. Everything is possible. Do you have a great dream in your life? Do you have a dream? I think God has a dream for you. God has, and a lot of us, we're, we're here today, those of us who are Christians, because we believe that becoming a Christian would make our life better. We believe God had called us out of where we were and had something great for us, and we saw that and we were baptized into Christ, and we want to live that dream out and let God do for us and with us and in us whatever He wants to do. So today we're going to talk about the tale of the dream giver, but also of the dream killer. Because if God is the dream giver, there is a dream killer. And He doesn't go away just because we become Christians. He wants to take your dreams and ruin your life. And He's not happy with His life. And misery loves company. So He wants to pull you back down from being the dreamer that God wanted you to become when you got baptized. You know what I'm talking about today? There's a dream giver and there's a dream killer. I want you to open up the Bible to the great story that one of the great dreamers in the Bible is the story of Joseph. Look over in Genesis chapter 37 and you turn there with me. I don't do uh, PowerPoint and stuff. I have to act up and do crazy things in front of the audience rather than put it on the screen. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Genesis 37. Genesis 37. The story of the, the tale of the dream giver and of the dream killer. Joseph's young guy. 17 years old, just in the teen ministry, hanging out. Tending the flocks, it says in verse 2, with his brothers and the sons of Belhah, the sons of Zilpah, his mother's wives, and he brought their brother a bad, their, their father rather, a bad report about his brothers. Now his dad, Israel, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he'd been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. He made this really cool jacket. You're going to find out that Joseph's clothing gets him in trouble a lot of times later in his life and he had this cool jacket and it kind of represented how much his dad loved him and didn't maybe have the same regard for his brothers that's not a good thing and he gave it to him and his brothers saw they loved him more than any of them they hated him and couldn't speak a kind word to him but joseph was a dreamer and he had this dream and he told his brothers he said um, i had this dream in verse five he said we were binding our sheaves of grain and my sheep stood up straight, and all of yours bowed down to mine. <laughs> There's this young punk kid, you know, with his cool jacket on, telling his old jealous brothers, one day you're going to bow down to me. I think he's kind of naive in this. I don't know he's being prideful. They, and they, it said they, made him, they hated him even more. And he had another dream. He said, told his dad, he said, I'm, I'm the stars, and something. all of you bowed down to me. He said, I don't know where all these dreams are coming from. And so it says in verse 19, his, he comes out one time, his brothers are out in the fields taking care of all the sheep and everything. And Joseph comes up to them and here's what it says in verse 19. They say, here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal has devoured him and then we'll see what comes of his dreams. You know, when you begin to get dreams from God in your life and you think, maybe I could get rid of my addictions. Maybe I could get rid of my foul temper. Maybe I could learn to really love people. Maybe I could get married. Maybe I, I could raise my kids 
in a godly way. Maybe I could learn to love my parents. Maybe I could shake some of these bad habits I've had. Maybe I could help other people change their life and become Christians. Maybe, maybe I could grow and change this or that and, and have close friends. And We begin to dream and God wants us to have that. But there's somebody out there who is not happy with you having those dreams and not happy with what God is planning to do in your life. And He says, I see you're in your dreams and I'm going to take you out. And I'm going to destroy those dreams. I'm going to not... I'm going to turn those dreams into nightmares in your life. There's a dream killer and there's a dream giver. And so what do they do? They take Joseph, they throw him in a pit, and then they're, they're going to kill him. But, you know, there's a nice guy among the brothers. He says, nah, let's not kill him. Let's sell him into slavery. Oh, awesome. Great. <laughs> Killed or sold into slavery by your own family. Man, you think you had a hard life? That, this is called a dysfunctional family right here. You know, that's what they do. They throw him in, throw him in the pit and... They're going to kill him, but one of his brothers comes back and they, they, they sell him into slavery and, oh, it's just awful. I think one of the great killers of dreams in our life, church, is injustice. This, as the brother shared in communion, is not fair. This is not fair. This came to him at a very young age. Some things can happen to us when we're very, very little. Some things can happen to you when you're two and three and four years old. You didn't ask to have the alcoholic stuff going on, the drug stuff, the sexual abuse, the, the different things that happen. That's, that's not fair. That's not right. And, and as the brother said, you know, life is not fair. God is just, but life is not fair. God will work out one day. But in the meantime, there are going to be some imperfect things that happen to us in life that can tear your dreams down and tear them to shreds if you're not really careful. Injustice. So his brother sell him into slavery. Imagine how Joseph felt. But then they go back and tell his dad. And it says in verse 34 that Jacob tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and daughters came to comfort him. He refused to be comforted. No, he said, in mourning will I go down to the grave to my son. And his father wept for him. That's the second thing is unspeakable loss. In our church recently, we've had three different families where parents have lost children. One family lost a 32-year-old son, deeply committed, father of two, brain cancer. Dear friends of mine took their son, 32 years old. He was my son's best friend. Everybody thought they were his best friend. He was that kind of a guy. You think, left a wife and two little ones and a grieving father and mom behind. That's unspeakable loss. Another family had a little three-year-old girl born with a heart defect. They replaced the heart. She lived for, she, at a very young age, she was replaced. She lived until she was three. Another family came back to the church after being gone for 15 years. Doing great. Baptized their, their daughter and their, and their son-in-law. Their other daughter was studying the Bible. She suddenly, unexpectedly passed away at 34 years old. I, that's unspeakable loss unspeakable loss. There's some things you can't put into words. Jacob says, you know what? I'm never going to be happy again. I'm just not going to be happy again. You ever talk to somebody that was so heartbroken? Or maybe you feel that way today? My heart is so broken, I don't even want to try to be happy again. Ever, I've been that sad before. 
where I felt like, you know, I don't know if I have the energy to try to be happy like I thought I was going to be as a Christian. But this happened. That happened. I lost this. This person did this. It can happen from within your own family. It can happen from people that you love dearly, that you think love you. Leadership in the church can disappoint you. Your own family, friends can disappoint you. You can disappoint yourself. You ever disappointed yourself so much? You know what, self? I'm fed up with you. Look at yourself in the mirror. I talk to myself. See guys walking through Times Square in New York just talking to yourself? I do that. I'm talking to me. Look, you idiot. Why don't you do better? You don't know better. You ought, to, you ought to be a Christian a long time now. You ought to be an acting this way. You're 61 plus years old. You should be grown up. What's the matter with you? That's what miss me talking to me. You don't have to rebuke me. I'll rebuke myself. That's... We get upset with ourselves. But people... Listen. This is the way that... that it is in life. And sometimes we think, God, you must have disappeared. This isn't the way. Injustice like this, our family, friends, and then it's all loss. My goodness, what happened to my dreams? Are they all gone? Will I ever be able to really dream again? I want you to look what happens to Joseph over in chapter 39. Joseph gets sold into slavery. His father's in despair. You know, you know, all of us have been probably, we've been Joseph. We've probably been Jacob. We've also, I hate to tell you, we've also been Joseph's brothers. We've done our part in tearing somebody else's dreams down. We may not even meant to do that. Maybe we didn't, maybe we're like one of the other brothers who was trying to save his life. And while he was doing that, his brothers ended up doing this wrong thing. And you were with the group that did something wrong and you weren't sure, what should I do to try to stop this? You ever been there? Where you're, I'm thinking I'm a part of something that really needs to be straightened out, but I don't know exactly what to do to fix that. And if I do that, then this was wrong. If I do that, there seems to be no easy right choice to make. You, am I the only guy that's ever faced anything like this? Help, help me out here. It's true. If you haven't faced it yet, you will, where you're not sure what you ought to do. And this is what happened with his brothers. They're like, I don't know. They, they did that. He shouldn't have done it. And then you live with that regret. It's tough. You say, Sam, I thought you came here to inspire us today. You, I am already in the pits of despair. Just stay with me. We're going to get out of here. We are going to get out of here. I promise you, we're heading to a better ground. But look what happens to Joseph. He says, Joseph had been taken away down to Egypt, Genesis 39, verse 1. And Potiphar, an Egyptian, was one of Pharaoh's officials. The captain of the guard brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And the Lord was with Joseph. Now, here's the deal. Even though everything may not be going awesome in your life right at this moment, it does not mean the Lord is not with you. He's still with you. Doesn't mean life is perfect. Doesn't mean everything's just easy. God was still with him even though there were some disappointments and setbacks and Satan was trying to take it away completely. God was working through all of this in an awesome way. So even though there may be some difficult things you're facing right now, do not stop dreaming. It doesn't mean that God has left you. It means He's still with you and He's still working. The only thing we never need to do is leave God. He won't leave us. Let's just not leave Him, church. Amen? And so it says, the captain there, they bought him from the Ishmaelites and the Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw the Lord was with him, the Lord gave him success in everything he did. He put, he, he put him in, uh, found favor in his eyes and he became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household. Now, what was Potiphar? He was Pharaoh's, he was the head of Pharaoh's bodyguard. Now, I just like to think of this dude as kind of like 
Anybody remember Mr. T, you know, anymore? You know, shut up, fool. You know, that guy, you know, with the, all the gold. I hope he never took, went swimming because he was going to the bottom with all that gold on his neck. But he, he was the bodyguard for a lot of Hollywood dudes. You know, feathers out of his ear, you know, just, you know. This is Potiphar. I think he's kind of a tough guy. He's not like, well, I'm kind of the head of the bodyguard here. I'm the bodyguard, dude. And I got guys that'll kill you if you mess with the favor. And so, because he's got all these eye stuff on and everything, you know, that's a... And he's the head of the bodyguard. So I imagine he's married pretty well. You know, usually these studly guys marry these women who could probably whoop you too, you know, so... He married Miss Potiphar. She's probably like working out, you know. Pretty good looking. Goes to the gym. So Joseph shows up. He's in the team ministry, 17. You know, hey, I'll help out around here. You know, he's a country boy. I don't know. Maybe some Athens. Where'd y'all did the, get the, what a fellowship redneck version of this morning. Y'all right down yonder with us in Georgia, son. What y'all doing? It says, <clears throat> he, 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 Joseph, here's what you do when your dreams get set back. Don't stop doing your best at whatever you're doing. It may not be what you want to be. You may have gotten fired and you're now, you know, barely wrapping sandwiches or something. I, it's like, I should have been promoted. And here I am down here at the bottom. You can get bitter. You can get mad. Or you can say, you know what? I'm going to do the best I can. And God's looking at all this. And he's going to work it all out one day. And he will. But it is to test your faith <laughs> like nothing else in life when you're not, you're not treated fairly. It really can get to you. But Joseph, he just kept on doing the right thing. And so he did the right thing and he got put in charge. And it said, God bless Potiphar and all of his bodyguards and Ms. Potiphar. They could work out all they wanted to and everything. And he ran the books. He was doing, he said, and Potiphar didn't worry about anything. Okay. That's great. It's working out. Wrong answer. Here we go. Joseph was well-built and handsome. Now, you can be spiritual and, and studly also. Okay, we got that. That's just a free part. That's not You didn't pay for that today. I just thought I could show that in there. After a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph. And I want you to notice the subtlety of her approach. Come to bed with me. I'm just reading the Bible here, folks. I, he's, I went to church this morning and they're talking like a prostitute. No! It, this is what she said. Come to bed with me. Now, he's a slave. She's in charge. She can do what she wants to do. Let's assume Miss Potiphar was nice looking. I think she probably was. I don't know. She says, come to bed with me. You know, I had no idea that cougars roamed the streets of, of, of Egypt during this day. I had no idea. And it said, but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master doesn't concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you. Because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? You know, let's just stop right here. I mean, that's... That's, put it in Hebrew, that's just flat awesome right there. That's, here's a young, handsome, virile, good-looking young Hebrew boy, you know, and he's getting offered something here, and he says, no, because it's not the right thing to do. 
Not the right thing. You know who the real man is? The real man is is not the guy that goes to bed with every, uh, at every opportunity he has. It's the man who can win the heart, love, and respect of one woman and keep it all the days of her life. That's a man right there. You the man. That's the guy we want to be right there, brothers. The guy who can stay faithful to one woman. All right. Here's what he says. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. And so he has on his night has a nice another nice robe. Joseph just needs to start dressing shabby. That's what I think. He's looking good though. He got a cool robe on, Egyptian robe, looking good. And she he she pulls that thing off him and he runs out of there. She has on that robe. Mistake. Don't leave your robe behind there, dude. And she is mad. She come Potiphar comes in. She says, He came in and made fun of me. This is sexual harassment right here, by the way. We read the first case I've ever read about in history right here. And she said, he made fun of me. And then I, I, he ran out, but he left his robe. And Potiphar is furious. I wonder he didn't kill him. He throws him. He does a nicer thing. Throws him in jail. You know, here's what we can feel like sometimes. I did the right thing. And now I'm in more trouble than I was before. Than before I did the right thing. You ever felt that way before? Well, I tried to serve God. I tried to stand up for what was right. And now I got in trouble. And, and I'm being blamed with everything. And I, I'm getting, this is not fair. This is inaccurate. Have you ever been falsely accused of something before? It's like, I didn't do that. Yeah, you did. And people start believing it. Well, I read it on the Internet. Well, you can learn how to make bombs on the Internet. You can learn, you can learn how to kill somebody on the Internet. But people, but it, I read it somewhere. It's got to be true. That's what you did. No, it's not. But he got thrown in jail thrown in jail. Injustice, unspeakable loss. But here's what the third thing that could have happened that didn't happen, but he could have gotten into sin right here. When you try to have great dreams, not only can there be injustice, not only can there be really lo- real loss can still come into your life, but then sin can come and will try to get you. He said, well, he didn't sin. Sam, I did. I, I, I have to say it. I, even as a disciple, I, I wasn't faithful or I messed up here or I I compromised my faith or I was not sexually pure or I told a lie or I, I used drugs again or whatever. Here, here's what I'm, I'm here to help you to do to realize we have, we have all, we, some of my, most of my great failings in my life since I was baptized, like I was about only four when I was baptized. That's when Marty met me. I was only four years old. No, no I'm kidding. I was 19. Most of my mistakes have been made since I became a Christian, folks. I mean, by nature, that's... I'm celebrating my over 40 years in the kingdom. I've had plenty of time to make many, many mistakes. What, we, what, what the key is, is when you do falter and fail and fall flat on your face, even as a disciple, you still have to keep dreaming. Can I just talk to you as your brother for a minute? You've got to get back up again. You can get back up again. Realize that most of the people in this book just made horrific mistakes. Moses, he killed somebody. Moses... Busted up the Ten Commandments. I just wouldn't want to be the guy that busted up, tore up the Bible in front of everybody. Lost his temper and tore his Bible up in front of the church. Except it was the only copy in existence. (laughs) What about Elijah? Got all depressed, ran off and hid in a cave. You know, I'm not showing up at church tomorrow. And he's the preacher. I ain't coming. God kept saying, what you doing here? He said, I'm the only person faithful left in the whole church. God said, I got 7,000 people that are committed back here at the, at the Civic Center. What you doing? 
He, he was all upset. David, oh my, his story, unbelievable. He, he was going to go kill somebody. If it weren't for Abigail talking him out of it, he was going to go kill Nabal. You ever met a Nabal before? It's, his mama named him fool. If your mama names you fool, what's your name? Well, my son named fool. You know what? And, and his wife said, his name is Nabal, and that's what he is. He's, and he, was, he married an intelligent woman. Why she married him, I don't know. Maybe he owned a lot of camels or something. I don't know. But she talked David out of killing this guy because he insulted David and his men. And David said, thank you. But see, he was on his way to do something terribly wrong. And God blocked him. You ever had somebody block you? Don't do that, bro. You lost your mind right now. Cool it. Cool down. Anger is temporary insanity. Just relax. It's good being around so many Latin people because we're all emotional. I mean, I love when there's a lot of Latin folk in the church because being a gringo, you know, you ever seen gringos, they get laughed and they go, <laughs> I'm cracking up. <laughs> you get African-American and Hispanic people laugh. Yeah! You know, that's why, that's why gringos need help. We need help. We don't know how to relax. Can't start church and got everybody got a kiss and hug. Prima, prima, tío, tía, everybody got a hug. It's, don't start church. We haven't kissed yet. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just letting you know what I really feel. I, I, it just becomes so much more fun. But I have lost my place in my notes. I don't know what I'm talking about. Got caught up in the rapture here. Sin and failure. Okay, I was talking about that. Jerry, are you out there anywhere? Can you help me? I always do this. I don't know. What I'm saying is that bad things will happen to you and you get all things can go wrong. And you've got to continue to focus on God in those times because it will, otherwise you can get so bitter and so angry and so hurt and despairing even towards yourself that you don't... You know, how about Peter? I mean, he would he really wanted to even come back and face Jesus after he... Jesus told him, you're going to fail. He said, no, I won't. He said, yes, you will. Three times tonight, you're going to die. He said, these guys might. And what's, it doesn't really say it, but these wimpy guys might, but not me. I am Peter the Rock. You name me yourself. My name is Rock Johnson. <laughs> Simon Johnson was my name. Simon Bar Jonah, Bar Son, Jonah John. Simon Johnson was my name. You name me Rocky. I don't back down. That's what you said about me. Jesus said, well, not tonight, Simon. Simon, you're going to wimp out in front of a, a girl from the middle school ministry. You're going to wimp out. You're going to give up. You're going to get scared. He did. Do you realize how hard it must have been for him to come back? Jesus met him on that, mor that morning there when they were catching those fish. You know, and he put all his clothes on, dumped, dove in the water, swam back to the shore. That's Peter. i got to get good to see Jesus. I'm dress up in all my suit. Then dive in the water and go swimming to where he is. That's what he did. But he had Jesus said, Do you love me? He said, You know I love you three times. You know what? Jesus he said, Jesus told him when he when he said he was going to fail, you know what he also said to him? When you have returned, strengthen your brothers. He also knew he was going to come back. I've seen people mess up so bad in the church and come back and do better than they ever did at their best before they messed up. Can you, can you stay with me on that? You know what? I believe you can do better than you ever did before you were at your best, before you messed up as a Christian. 
If I didn't believe that, I would have quit a long time ago. I went to Boston when I first really got to hang with Marty and some of these guys. I was so discouraged and despair. felt like I'd failed as a minister and as a leader in my years in Atlanta in the 80s. And I said, I'll just never mount anything anymore. I'm done. I'm kind of cooked. Put me out somewhere and I'll hang on until Jesus comes. And hopefully I'll have a corner in glory somewhere and I can sing, pass out songbooks in heaven. I don't anything. Just let me in the door. But God had other plans. And He doesn't give up on you. So I'm urging you today to not give up on yourself or on anybody. Okay? Can you stay with me on that one? And so Joseph gets thrown in jail. And look what it says in chapter 40 and verse 1 of Genesis. Sometime later, that's point number 4, Genesis 40 and verse 1. Here's what kills dreams. Sometime later. Dreams take a while to come to, come to fruition. Some dreams, let me just say this before we go any further. Remember this. You may have a dream to do something in your life. It must fit with God's dream for your life. I, you know, if you want to be a rock star or you wanted to be the greatest basketball dunker that ever existed, that's not going to be, neither one of those is going to be me. I don't have the genetic equipment and that's not God's plan for my life. So sometimes we get something in our head that we feel like God... Remember, Jesus is Lord of your dreams, all right? So you may, if, he doesn't, if that dream didn't work out, here's what that means. It means there's a better one that's more suited for you that he's got planned. It's not like, oh, well, you don't, no dreams for you. I ran out before I sent, you know, I gave them to the rest of the church. You don't have one. No, you do, but you've got to help let God show you what that is. And it's suited just for you. And it'll fulfill you and God will use you in a great way. But it may take a while, okay? Sometime later. I don't know about you, but I want God to do things when, when I ask Him to. I, 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 there, there's verse, there are verses in the book of Psalms that David says, quickly. I said, God, David even said it. And he's a man after your own heart. Quickly, quickly, quickly. And sometimes God does do things quickly. You ever had God just answer your prayer just like that? Amen. Then there are other times it's, no, it's going to be days, weeks, months, even maybe years. That tests us out. And so Joseph's in jail here, and he, it's a long time. So then these two guys come in, and he interprets their dream for them. And he, one of them says, you're going to die. The other one is, you're going to get put back in, you're going to be this wine steward for Pharaoh again. You're going to be the guy that thinks, would you like the Merlot? You know, whatever. You're going to be that guy. You're going to come back. And he says, but remember me. I'm in jail here. I don't deserve to be in jail. Look in chapter 40, verse 14. He says, but when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. He says, because I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. Joseph, over the months, the years of being in Shawshank Redemption or whatever he's in here, He's having to sit there and realize this is not fair. And he's waiting, maybe. And remember, he has no family. He has, they don't even know he's alive. No family, nothing. I mean, it makes me realize, whatever I'm struggling with in life, this young guy, man, do I admire the faith that he had. Delay. Could it be that some of us just gotten tired of something, certain things happening in our life and we just give up and compromised? our faith, to get what we wanted on our, turn, on our timetable. That's what happened with Abraham and Sarah. They were supposed to have a son. 
It didn't happen. They were already old when the promise came. Fifteen years later, she got tired of waiting and said, Here, have a child through my servant girl. Abraham, being the strong man of God, said, Okay, that's what I'll do, you know. And they... And the Middle East has been felt the impact of that decision ever since. It's amazing what happens when we lose patience. And I'm, y'all excuse me while I preach it myself here right now. Because I thought when I turned like 60, everything would really, I'd just sort of sit on a rocking chair and on a porch and everybody would come and ask me for advice. And I'd know exactly what I was supposed to do. Frankly, I've never been more kind of up in the air on what God wants me to do in my life exactly than I am right now. And so, but I know God has a plan, so you need to, you can include me in your prayer list here today. Injustice, sin, delay, unspeakable loss, and then unforgiveness and hurt. You, you know, I think we can just get hurt and get bitter. And Joseph, you never feel like he got bitter, but his brothers show back up. Now, we know what happened to the story of Joseph. There are two great turning points. He, he gets out of jail because he interprets dreams. And he gets made number two guy in Egypt. Do you realize when God does get ready to go, you better strap in because it's like Mach 5 with your hair on fire. He goes from being a jailbird to go get a shower, dude, and put on the eye makeup because you are number two in Egypt and you ride through the streets. And here's what it says. You'll be in a chariot and they're going to get in front of you. And old Potiphar's bodyguard's probably out there saying, get out of the way, Joseph is coming through. Man, that is a turnaround. So that's, that's turnaround number one. But then... Turn around and tell number two comes when his brothers show up. Because they're broke. They got no food. The only food in the world is in Egypt. Joseph has been saving it all up. And I love the line. We don't have time to really read it today. But they're all starving to death back up there. You know what their daddy says to them? He says, why do you all sit here looking at each other? You know, <laughs> it's one of the great lines in the Bible. They sold the only smart guy off into slavery in the family. They're kind of a bunch of dumb guys. Oh, what to do? What are you going to do? Oh, I mean, what to do? Joseph would have figured something out. They sold him into slavery. He said, why are you all just staring at one another? Go down to Egypt and buy some food. Okay. They meet Joseph. They don't recognize him. You ever seen those Egyptian mummies? He, he got, like I said, I keep doing the eye makeup because I just think it's cool. He's, he's looking like this. They're looking all shabby. And they bow down to him. Ooh, oh, the dream just came true. But Joseph, they don't recognize him. And, the, and he understands them because they're speaking Hebrew and he, they think he doesn't. And they're saying, we're in trouble because we sold our brother into slavery. You know what he had to do? He had to walk off in the back and he cried. He broke down crying. You realize all those feelings, a feeling rejected by his own family, hurt by his own family, treated wrong by his own brothers. And he has a struggle of, I'm going to forgive these guys or not. I think the struggle to forgive people who've really done us wrong is one of the greatest things that will keep your dreams going or kill your dreams because if, if Satan can't take your dreams away, he'll just corrode you from the inside. And, and I hate to tell you guys, but forgiveness, for, for us to forgive somebody means they have to do us wrong. You with me right there? That means... And, and where it hurts the most is when people love you the most do you wrong. Because that's when it hurts the most. And his own family did him wrong. So I'm not saying it's easy. But the most, we're never more like Jesus than when we forgive people who don't deserve to be forgiven. And you know what? People will never know. Something I've learned along the way. Nobody will ever know how much they hurt you. 
if Jesus waited to forgive us until we understood all that he felt on the cross, he'd still be waiting. I understand it better now than when I was baptized when I was 19. I appreciate it more now, but I know I don't even come close to understanding all that he did to forgive me of my sin. But he forgave me anyway. So forgive people anyway. Forgive them and you will sit yourself out of jail. You know who you let free when you forgive somebody? Yourself. You go free. Y'all, I've gone a little bit longer here than I should. Uh, I don't know what I should have done. Um, I really don't. It's been good coming the one time that I'll get to come. Um, But um, there's two poems I wanted to read. That's why I brought my Mac up here. Mostly I wanted to do that to make you know that I'm actually a pretty cool guy. I did it because my children pressured me. They said, please get rid of that PC and get a Mac. But I, had a, I was going to read, I, I dreamed a dream. Whoa, I almost lost my Mac right there. That thing flipped over. I was going to read, I dreamed a dream from Broadway, you know, about how the dreams get torn down. And then I was going to read my, one of my favorite poems or uh, lyrics from the Eagles, Take It to the Limit One More Time. Uh, I could do my Don Henley, take it to the, you know, but I, I don't want to run everybody out of church. Um, You know, I think for my own life, I'll just close with these thoughts. That's what I really want to do these last few years. How many I have? I may have one. I may have 30. I don't really know. But I want to take it to the limit one more time. I want to give it all I've got. And I want to go out strong and full of dreams and know that God has more in front of me than I have behind me. Greater days are yet ahead of you. Greater days are ahead of the L.A. Church. Greater days ahead of Marty and Chris, of Reese and Mary Kay, of this whole room full of your greatest days are yet to come. You keep on dreaming. God bless you. Thank you.